0: Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today, Bloom and I are sitting down with Julie Foucher, Talk about a dream guest, y'all. I have been following Julie's CrossFit career for as long as I can remember, and am so impressed by everything she is able to accomplish on and off of the competition floor. We talk about Julie's launch into medicine and more recently how she's been helping spearhead CrossFit's precision care. Could you imagine if your doctor did CrossFit, participated in functional fitness, had their CrossFit level one, prescribed things like Nutritional changes, diet, exercise, hydration, sleep hygiene. Oh, you're talking my language. And CrossFit Precision Care is addressing all of that. We also talk about the physician patient relationship and how similar that is to the coach and athlete relationship. We dive into Whoop's Women's Performance Collective and Julie's role in that. And finally, talk all about meditation, breathwork, emotional health, and visualization. So, we go there. Julie shares so openly and honestly about all of it. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. Also, if you are someone that works out with a podcast in the background, while you're working out, I highly, highly suggest checking out NC flex. It has become my favorite program that we offer over at the NC fit app and is perfect to have a podcast going on in the background. If you're listening to this and loving it, please post it, share it with a friend, leave a five-star rating and review, and let us know what you love most about the Women Make Waves show. Until next week, enjoy the show.
1: Welcome back to another Women Make Waves podcast. My name is Bloom, and I'm here with Lindsay and Julie Boucher. Julie, as a former CrossFit competitor and now CrossFit doctor, you are, I can make up any, um, you know, line of how you are making waves. I could pick something out of a million hats, but I would love to kick off the question, how we start all of our podcasts. How are you making waves? I love that question. Um, so
2: I would say right now, I'm really excited to be making waves by starting to bridge gaps between what happens in CrossFit affiliates and what's happening in our healthcare system. Um, And so one way that we're doing that is with something called CrossFit Precision Care, which we just recently announced and are
1: excited to launch. It's so cool to, um, you know, hear that this is coming out of the CrossFit space because for so long, we've kind of been talking about how, you know, movement is medicine and it can be this really powerful change for a lot of people. And I think a lot of times, um, especially having been in the CrossFit space, being a CrossFit coach, it can almost feel kind of daunting because your you know, your athletes come into the gym and you see them for an hour, but then what are they doing with the rest of that time? And I know that's something that I run into a lot with my nutrition coaching clients is you know, I can, I can only help you control like the 30 minutes that we're together or the hour that we're together. And then outside of that, it's kind of up to you, you know, how you take these resources and, and spin them out into your life. What, um, what for you, are you like most excited about with CrossFit Precision Care?
2: So I think for me, I, as I was going through med school, when I started my medical training, I was really naive and I didn't realize how many problems we had as a, as a healthcare system and how much we were really falling short in terms of it, just empowering people to be healthy and really, um, you know, how rooted all, most of our health problems are in our lifestyle. And what was really obvious was just how, even though we only have one, we may only have one hour with someone in the gym that community and the environment of spending an hour in the gym consistently, you know, a few days a week, week after week, month after month can have a tremendous impact on our health. And we've all seen it. You know, it's people that reverse chronic disease, like come off medications. They gain confidence. They do things they never thought they could do before. And those things just aren't happening. Like those just don't happen in a doctor's office. Like we think one hour a day is not a lot, but how about 15 minutes every six months? Like (laughs) then really nothing is happening to change someone's lifestyle. And it's just so important. And so what I'm most excited about is being able to connect what's happening in the affiliate with what's happening in the healthcare system. Because no matter how we problem solve in the healthcare system or with insurance about trying to help people live a healthier lifestyle or how much support we give them or how much we talk about, you know, working out or nutrition. It's just not the right environment to do it. Like we need to help surround people with the right environments, the community, with the trainers, the resources to be able to put this into practice in their day-to-day lives. And that's what the affiliates do. And so that's what I'm most excited about is I, I really do think that is like the unlock for really changing our primary care system and, our healthcare system, and so starting to build that bridge is is really exciting.
0: What does the building of that bridge look like? And you don't have to dive into everything that is CrossFit Precision Care, but um, for people who are not familiar with what the program is, how are you starting to build that bridge?
2: Yeah, so it's CrossFit Precision Care is really a primary care offering that is uh, consistent with what's happening in CrossFit affiliates. So it's being paired with a doctor and a health coach who do CrossFit, who understand what you do. Um, it's not just looking at what are your symptoms and what medications can we prescribe to you know, address those symptoms, but how do we really get to the root cause? And how do we use all the data at our fingertips to try to optimize your health? So not only are we looking at your performance numbers in the gym, we're looking at how you sleep, if you wear sleep trackers, how you feel, um, what your stress levels are like, um, what practices that you're doing to help mitigate stress or build resilience or recovery, um, nutrition, obviously, we're looking at all those different factors. And then we're also looking at things like, what do your genes tell us? Um, how can we you reduce your risk for things like heart disease or Alzheimer's disease or other conditions that may run in your family um, and really help you optimize your health in a objective way? Um, so it's all right now, it's all telemedicine, um, and it's all outside of insurance. Um, and then from there, we're really hoping to then build, uh, networks with all other types of medical professionals. So if you need, you know, a cardiologist, let's, why wouldn't you see someone who also understands CrossFit and does CrossFit, or if you need a gastroenterologist, let's connect you with someone who does CrossFit too. That fires me up so much. Um.
0: Bloom knows obviously from a nutritional standpoint. I from a nutritional and emotional standpoint for sure, but I went through I got really hurt competing like six years ago Mm -hmm. and was rushed to the hospital, thought I was gonna go in for emergency surgery. They were like, no, like let's let's wait the weekend and get you an MRI on Monday and all these different things. And from that moment on, Every medical professional I saw had really like snide remarks, like Mm -hmm. the orthopedic surgeon was like, well, CrossFit's like going to keep me in business forever. Or like, Mm -hmm. I know someone that'll never do a handstand again. And all of these comments that during such a traumatic time Mm -hmm. was the last thing I needed. And so I did go outside of insurance to find a physical therapy office that was attached to a CrossFit gym. And like the first time I walked in and my practitioner was like, of course you want to do pull-ups and snatches and Mm -hmm. all of these functional movements again, like, let's get you back to that. It was the first uptick or upswing in my recovery process. And so to hear that that is actually being implemented and something that was such a hard thing for me to find on my own, um, I'm so excited to hear that that's going to be more accessible to people.
2: For sure. I think it's that alone is probably the biggest demand that we see from the community is just, just want to have work with medical professionals who understand CrossFit and are not going to have those snide remarks or not going to tell people to stop doing it or that it's dangerous or too intense. Um, And I think a lot of that just from my experience in the community comes from, you know, a lack of understanding. I think anybody who's who really has been in an affiliate or worked with a coach or been through the CrossFit Level One understands how powerful it is. But when you don't know what something is, sometimes it looks really scary, and um, you know you can potentially say things that that may scare people away from it.
1: Is that a um, requirement for doctors and practitioners within the Precision Care system to be a Level One coach?
2: It is. Yeah, um, we want everybody that's seen patients to have gone through the CrossFit level one, um, just because we feel like it's so foundational just to understand the methodology and the purpose behind it. So that is a requirement.
1: That's super powerful. I remember, um, I had been interning to be on seminar staff before everything shut down mm-hmm. and the, it was one of my favorite things because I got to listen to all of the lectures from the level one. Cause mm-hmm. I did mine in like 2013. So it was Long time, long time ago. Ahead. And I feel like some of the information anytime I was like, cause I did, I think three different internship seminars. And anytime I listened to any of the lectures, I was like, people need to hear this. Like, why don't mm-hmm. more people know these things? So it's really, um, it's cool that that's a requirement because I think that, um, if we can, you know, support practitioners in having that basic knowledge of, functional movement and understanding, you know, what we all in the fitness space, I think can agree on as like the most powerful things for our health. Um, I think that that just in itself goes a really, really long way. Are you noticing that a lot of, um, CrossFitting doctors are like flocking to be part of this? Yeah, absolutely. We've had
2: a ton of applications for both doctors and health coaches and care coordinators to work with us. Um, I think, it's something that has been talked about a lot in the community. So I, back when we, we were doing CrossFit level one seminars for doctors specifically, we did probably like 15 of them over the course of a couple of years. And there's just so much enthusiasm for, uh, for doctors and all types of healthcare professionals to be able to implement CrossFit with their patients. You know, just like me, you know, you see how much our healthcare system falls short and you feel sort of isolated when you're off by your own working in the system, because you, you know, that it works and you see how powerful it can be. Uh, but then you, it, it's just hard to, to do that on your own. And so I think there's so many interesting solutions that have come about. And I think we've seen a lot of different, you know, doctors working with affiliates in different ways, whether it's referring patients or whether it's starting little um, you know, programs or research studies, or even opening practices associated with affiliates, there's, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. And so, and, but there's a lot, of, a lot of people who, um, who are interested in working with us and, and seeing where it goes. What
0: was your kind of aha moment, or was it a dream since you were a kid to go and get into medicine? Cause I remember like, I started CrossFitting in undergrad
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that was around the same time that I was watching you compete at the games. And I would make like every excuse under the sun. Like, oh, I've got a big test coming up or I've got this. And I had a coach at one point be like, do you know who Julie Fouche is? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And they're like, she's in med school. So like, suck <laughs> it up. <laughs> oh, that's
2: hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I first thought about going into medicine when I was in high school, probably. Just when I I took, you know, biology class and psychology and I was really interested in how the human body worked and I really liked just problem solving and math and science. And then I went to college at University of Michigan. And there it's a big school. And I would say a lot of people go in wanting to be pre-med. And so I didn't want to necessarily narrow myself in and say I was going to be pre-med. I want to make sure that I really explored at first and made sure that's what I wanted to do. And I ended up actually studying engineering in college, biomedical engineering, which was great prep for med school. But I realized I didn't really want to be an engineer. <laughs> I was not really cut out. To, I, li- I liked the classes, but I was not really cut out to be an engineer. Um, I spent some time in research labs and looking at what industry jobs would look like. And at the end of the day, it was really the uniqueness of the physician patient relationship, I think, that drew me to medicine. I think it's it, in a lot of ways, it's really similar to like the relationship between a trainer and an athlete. Like you have someone who, you know, you don't really know that well. And all of a sudden they trust you with things that are really personal and um, are very vulnerable with you. Like whether it's trying to learn a new movement that they've, you know, they're, you know they've never done before and they feel silly or whether it's telling you about a health problem they've had. Um, there's something just really powerful in that and in, in the relationship that it builds and then the responsibility that you have to help someone. And so that's what really drew me into medicine. And then it was, you know, when I was already along my path to applying to med school that I found CrossFit. So I was in the middle of, I think my, or it was right before my junior year of college. So I was starting the process of studying for the MCAT and applying to med school and all that stuff. So they kind of paralleled each other along the way.
1: Did you feel like there was any clash between, um, like the information you were learning through CrossFit and your medical training. Because I know that when I was going through school, I had just started doing CrossFit and I was in my undergrad also. And I was going through a lot of my exercise science classes and I would be, I was like the jerk in class. I was arguing with my professors. Mm -hmm. And I look back now and I'm like, well, they really weren't that wrong. But like, I was so convinced that, they were just wrong about movement, about all of these things, because of what I was learning, you know, in the CrossFit space. Um, did the, I'm just curious if that, you know, was something that you ran into. I, I, to
2: a degree, yes. I think the funny thing about medical school is that there's just sort of these gaps, like, like when you're in the first couple of years and you're learning a lot of the foundation and like the cellular mechanisms and the biochemistry and, you know, pathology, it's, it all makes sense. And like, it all, you understand how much nutrition plays a role in all these things, but then somehow there's this gap when you actually then get into applying it in clinical practice, where it's just like the model doesn't work. (laughs) You know, it's like the recommendation is always, oh, we'll talk about, you know, nutrition and exercise first, but because historically speaking that doesn't work often in that setting. Like no matter how much you talk about nutrition and exercise in a 15 minute appointment, most people are not going to make real lifestyle change after that. And so I think a lot of people just, um, become a little bit cynical or are quicker to jump to the medication solutions. Um, just because we're not one, we're not taught it in med school. Like we get very little nutrition education. We get very little exercise education, it's like this black box. Like we know it's important, but we don't really get formally taught on how to implement it. And so unless the, you know, the healthcare provider is doing it themselves and has learned through their own experience, they're probably not going to be able to have, you know, a real in-depth conversation with the patient about it. So I think that's where I've seen it be a little bit frustrating. Um, I don't think it's not like, you know, we're learning wrong information is just how those pieces are put together and then how it's implemented in the real world. What was, um, I, I know you referred to it
0: as the black box, but was there ever this like moment in med school when you were like, man, like being a, an athlete and practitioner of the CrossFit sport, was there anything that you were like, if I could just like
2: let other people in this classroom know this thing, what was it? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I always tried to do my best to expose people to CrossFit. So I would, you know, I would do little workouts at the affiliate and invite my classmates or do like a little mini whiteboard session about what CrossFit is just to try to help people understand and break down some of those barriers. Um, I think the other thing that, that to me was always a little bit frustrating was just helping people understand how important the quality of food is. I think that, you know, it's just so important and definitely not emphasized, you know, to a degree it is, it's, you know, obviously like fast food and sugar is not good for you, but, but like the importance of it's not just about calories and how important eating quality food is. I remember I did a it was a whole 30, like the first time I did a whole 30 in 2012, I was in, I think my first year of med school. And I remember bringing it up in some sort of classroom discussion and just saying, you know, I'm going a whole month without sugar and any processed foods and multiple people. I don't know if it was oh, classmates or different people I told while I was doing it, like faculty or advisors that were just like, oh, well that's impossible. Like how could you, you can't possibly do that. Or, or like the idea of bringing it up to a patient, they're like, oh, there's no way anyone could do that. That's way too hard. Um, And so it's just this idea of like, how do we limit ourselves in terms of what's possible or limit our patients um, in, in, in what's possible and what could be really life-changing for them.
1: That just like made my heart sing to hear that because I, talk about that a ton with people. And I think that it is often the overlooked piece of our nutrition. I think for a really long time, especially, um, when I did my first nutrition coaching certification, it was still this like concept that calories are really more important and nutrient timing is more important. But now I think it is becoming a little bit more, I guess, mainstream, if you will, that nutrient quality matters more almost than just the calories that you're eating. And I think that that is a really cool conversation that we get to shift, but I'm curious to know, are you seeing more doctors now kind of taking that information and running with it? Or are you like, is there still kind of that, you know, misconception that um, it doesn't matter as much?
2: Oh, I'm definitely seeing a shift. And I think that's what gives me so much um, enthusiasm for the future is I think, one, there are are changes happening in medical schools. I know even in my medical school, since I've been there, there's been some big changes in terms of nutrition and, and lifestyle education. But I think it's also just coming from this generation, like this generation of medical students are doing this stuff on their own. They're seeking it out. Like even if they're not learning it in school, they're, you know, they're working out, they're learning about nutrition for their own health or their family or, um, for other reasons. And that is going to have impact on how then they can change their practice and how they can change their patients and like education for future generations. So that's what I'm really excited about, and I think also what I'm excited about when I look at things like CrossFit Precision Care, you know, it, it excites me that model of pairing the CrossFit affiliate with healthcare. But also, probably almost equally importantly, is it it makes me excited to be able to give doctors an opportunity to practice in a way that's consistent with their values. Because especially coming from family medicine or primary care, I would say almost everybody that I've encountered. I don't know anybody that's really happy working in a conventional setting right now. Um, And so, but so many people are trapped there because of loans or because they don't have another option. And so um, giving people opportunities to practice where they can really work with their patients on these things and have the support to do it is really exciting for me.
0: Something I love that you touched on earlier too, is um, starting to get more mindful about these kind of medical markers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember getting, you know, I have plenty of heart disease that runs in my family. And since I was a kid, their answer was like, well, like we got bad tickers on your dad's side of the family. <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah. what? Like, are you just telling me that I am like destined for like heart issues, you know? Right. And so when I started working with my functional medicine doctor, um, That was a big thing that I like was terrified Mm -hmm. about. And she started going into epigenetics and all of these different things and was like, well, yeah, it can be really scary, but it's scarier to just live in the dark, knowing that there's something there. Mm -hmm. Whereas we can start tracking all of these different things and through nutrition, through lifestyle, through all of these different things, we can actually choose what, what flips or what switch flips on and off and what we do.
2: Absolutely,
0: Yeah. And it can be really empowering. Absolutely. It makes me feel like it's easier for me to eat in a certain way instead Mm -hmm. of just like, well, someone told me this was healthy. When I'm like, no, I am nourishing my body with exactly what my body calls for. Mm -hmm. Um, And something Arielle and I were reading just before the show was you and a handful of other female athletes joining with whoop and Mm -hmm. like wearables and tracking these different things, um, kind of putting women's research at the forefront. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about that? Sure. Kind of ties in.
2: Yeah. So it's it's really exciting. I was really honored to be asked, but it's a it's called the Women's Performance Collective that Whoop has basically gathered a group of women with a variety of different backgrounds in sports. There's some Olympic athletes, obviously CrossFit athletes. Um, researchers. Um, Dr. Stacey Sims is on there, who's a PhD, who's done a lot of research specifically in women's health and performance. Um, And it's just, you know, an effort to be able to really focus on what women need to optimize their performance and have conversations around that. So it's just, you know, it's an opportunity for us to be able to share our experience and say, this is important. Let's, you know, put a focus on this or, Here's some things that that would be really interesting to research or look at this data that you're collecting and figure out how we can help women better and advocate for women better. Um, you know, I know Stacy does a lot to talk about how little women are studied when we look at any kind of, I mean, a lot of medical studies, drug studies. Um, but training studies also, a lot of them are done primarily with men and women are different, (laughs) you know? So, um, so it's really exciting to be able to look at some of these things. And I know they've already, you know, whoop has already done some really interesting studies um, with a a CrossFit doctor, Dr. Sean Rowan. Um, They did a study of tracking women who wore whoops before conception and throughout their pregnancy and postpartum and looked at how their um, HRV and their resting heart rate um, changed and, um, what that, you know, what that could indicate. And so it's just setting the stage for what else can we learn, um, by studying women that can help us perform better and be healthier long-term.
1: Are there anything specific that you are more excited to track with that data?
2: So I am really excited about, um, female cycle tracking. So I've always been really like excited and passionate about this just because I think that again, with our conventional healthcare system, um, we tend to have kind of blanket answers for a lot of problems. And for a majority of women's health problems, symptoms, um, birth control is the answer. It's like we'll just take some hormones and that will solve all of our our problems. And in reality, sometimes it can cause worse problems, especially long term down the road. And like our women are amazing. And we have this cycle that happens every month that actually is sort of like a vital sign. And it tells us a lot about our health, but nobody teaches us what it means. Like as we're growing up, it's just sort of this annoying thing that happens every month. Um, but there's a lot that we can learn from it. And, um, and so that's something I've been passionate about for a long time. And I know loop is starting to integrate um, temperature sensing and just cycle tracking and to be able to notice different patterns and look at what phases of the cycle are better to do certain types of training, um, to optimize a recovery. And so I just think there's, there's a lot there that we can all learn from and, and things that we can also use to educate women about how to be more in tune with their own health. I love that the conversation naturally
0: went here. <laughs> Every <laughs> conversation that Ariel and I have had, mostly with people in the medical field, um, mm-hmm. whether it was yourself, Stacey Sims, um, we had Lindsay Matthews from Birth Fit. Yes, like, I love her too. We all dive into like ladies, like <laughs> you know, there's like the whole whimsical way of being like, I'm on my moon. And you right. can like totally embrace it instead of it just being this like, oh shit, like she's here again. You know, totally.
2: And, um, and there's so many things like like if you pay attention like natural shifts that, that will help. Obviously there's the obvious things like, oh my gosh, I'm having these symptoms or I don't feel great, or I'm really irritable or whatever, but, um, it can also like just tuning in to where you are and like what impact your hormones are having. And then like leaning into that instead of feeling like it's really annoying, you can actually, um, I don't know, it can make it a lot, uh, more empowering. Totally. I,
0: I mean, when I was young, I feel like our listeners know so much about me at this point. When I was young, (laughs) I had the heaviest periods and naturally Western medicine was like, take this pill every single day. And I was like 12, you know, and it took me until 29 to be like, okay, why were they so heavy? what are we doing to fix it? You know, mm-hmm. instead of just being like, let's mask this thing. Mm-hmm. And then like, if you ever want to have babies one day, we'll deal with it then. Right. But like, and then, oh, yeah. I've actually been like incredibly anemic for the last 15 years, <laughs> you know, and uh, nobody's yeah. now I feel, I was like, oh, <laughs> you don't have to wake up like so tired every morning and miserable <laughs> and not know how to do anything. So it's, it really is, like you said, this, like That was that book, The Fifth Vital Side?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's there's this organization I love. It's called Facts Fertility Awareness Collaborative for Teaching the Science or something. It was started by a family doctor, but it's really to try to educate healthcare providers about cycle tracking. Because again, it's another thing like nutrition that we just don't learn in med school. It's like brushed under the rug like, oh, you could track your cycles, but that doesn't really work. So here's all these other birth control options. Um, even though it's something that's very science based and very powerful. Um, so they do a seminar called the female cycle is the fifth vital sign. That's where I got that from. <laughs> Hell yeah, I
0: like immediately I already pulled up a tab figure <laughs> <laughs> out what that Love is. It. Um while we're talking about female health and and kind of leaning into what our hormones are doing and all of these different things, um you spoke before the show about really tracking your emotional health. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the two of these things are so connected alongside all sorts of other things. Um, what got you really interested in leaning more into, you know, studying that or exploring
2: that? Oh, that's such a great question. Yeah. Um, I, so I think for me it was really just a lot of things that happened in my life, like in the last year and a half. And it all started with, me for the first time in my life, taking some time out. Um, I had been basically going really busy burning both ends of the candle for my whole life, like school to college, cross the Games, med school, residency, like all kinds of other things outside of that. And so after residency, I found myself with a couple months where I had nothing to do. Like I, I kind of intentionally, like I just, I didn't push it because I, I realized this was the only time in my life where I might have an opportunity to do this. So where I would wake up and be like, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Or like, I don't know when I'm going to start like my full-time job. I started, you know, played around with a bunch of different things, but it was very much like, let me just wake up every day and see where the day leads me and it led to a lot of like reading books a lot of different um sort of like s- learning about different self-care activities so i started doing more breath work i started doing a lot more meditation um just like mending a lot of relationships in my life like things that i had been so focused on my own goals and my own achievements that I think a lot of i'd sort of not spent the time and effort on relationships that were really important to me. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And, and it really led me to like, open up a lot more emotionally, I realized how much I had been super closed off and was just like, so focused on, okay, what's the next goal? What's the next thing? Like, if I don't, if I was feeling something, I would just sort of push it down and keep charging through. And so it allowed the space for a lot of those emotions to start coming up. And then for a while, it was extremely overwhelming because it was like, Oh, I've been repressing all these emotions for my whole life. And now they're all here and I don't know how to make sense of them. So it's been a really interesting journey of just like learning what my emotions are telling me and learning different tools. Like, I think I've tried so many different things that have all been helpful in different scenarios, but from meditation and breath work to journaling to um, just more self-care things like getting massages, getting acupuncture, um, you know, working out for me has become much more of a like emotional mental health thing than physical really, um, uh, you know, friendships, um, lately I've gotten really into emotional freedom technique or tapping. I don't know if either of you have ever tried that, but that has yeah been really profound for me. Um, So yeah, it's just been fascinating. And I think it's also really opened up my understanding of what, where health starts. And, you know, I think that we always think about all of these chronic diseases as being lifestyle related and root causes mainly being like lack of activity or nutrition or stress or environmental exposures or lack of sleep. But I think it goes a whole layer deeper where a lot of these things are really rooted in emotional health. Like if we have, um, you know, relationships that are, um, you know, stressful, even if it doesn't feel like it, if it's like something from years ago, that, that creates this kind of chronic pattern or story in your head of how you see yourself, um, and, and not being in touch with what our emotions are telling us that, presents in a variety of physical symptoms. And we see a lot of that, you know, it's, it's true. Like a lot of chronic diseases are exacerbated by stress, whether it's, you know, GI or autoimmune disease or a variety of other things. And so it's just really made me emphasize for myself and also for my patients, how we can address exercise, nutrition and sleep all we want. But a lot of times it's going that layer deeper and, you know, addressing emotional health even more. I just got full body tingles (laughs) because that's what I do every day. And it's
0: so funny because I almost work through the opposite lens. I have so many people, if I could stop one stigma about therapy, it would, well, two, one, that it's shameful to go, but two, that you have to be in crisis to need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. People think they need to be grieving a loss or some big stressor in their life or whatever it is. And that's great. Yes, totally seek help during those times. However, as a practitioner, that just puts me into like crisis management. Mm-hmm. So if you can actually come to therapy, not in crisis, that would be great. Cause we can start to actually dive into so many totally. of the things that you're talking about. Like, I'm not going to take you on some emotional roller coaster. If you're in front of me saying, you know, you just lost a loved one, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the time to address those patterns. And so when I have someone in my office, who's well, right, quote, unquote, well, for all intents and purposes, and I start checking in around their sleep hygiene, their nutrition, they're like, this isn't therapy. And I'm like, well, like,
2: (laughs) if you're at a
0: deficit there, I'm not even going to take you somewhere deeper. Like, let's get all of that somewhere before we can go
2: and start working on all absolutely and that's been super clear to me too through this whole process is like if i'm not when i get really sleep deprived as we all know everything is worse or like if i'm not eating as well or if i miss exercising for a few days like everything gets worse so you kind of learn what are the the bare minimums that you need to have to sort of feel like you are yourself and then gives you the resilience to handle whatever you know challenges you might encounter i had um someone come into my
0: i work in a um a clinic. And so we all kind of share rooms and someone was coming into the room after me and I was putting all the furniture back and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, mm-hmm. my client hadn't moved their body in six days. So we just like, <laughs> worked out and did some mindful movement. <laughs> <She was> like, <laughs> what? That's great. <laughs>
1: Bloom I looked love like it. You we're going to say something. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that. I feel like we need more of that. So <laughs> how do we get that to like happen more often for people. Um, and that's actually really funny that you do say that because I do have some clients where like, they'll get on the computer with me. Cause all of my clients are virtual and like, we'll get on zoom and I'll be like, did you move at all today? Or have you sat at this computer all day? And they're like, no, I've like really been just doing work. I'm like, all right, we'll get up. Let's do some <laughs> stretching. Like we got to do something to get some blood flow here. Totally. Um, so it's really funny that you say that, but The thing that I'm most curious about, because I think that, um, and I'm totally labeling you as a high achiever. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you are. And I, Lindsay and I, you know, we resonate with that. Um, I think a lot of CrossFit athletes in general resonate with that, but I think as high achievers, we have this really tough time being like, not busy. Like we constantly are seeking this extra time. And I'm curious to know, you know, what was the, um, the mindset that you had to get into to like be okay with that. I know you had talked about, um, you know, like you knew this was really your only time to not be busy, but even with that logical explanation, there's still like this conversation that we have to have with ourselves to say like, this is my time to be vulnerable. This is my time to sit with these feelings and experience all the big ones. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know, you know, like how you navigated that space. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, honestly, I think I probably like,
2: I was just, it wasn't like I planned it. It was something that like, it just happened based on a variety of different circumstances. And then once it did happen and I started doing some of that reflection, I realized how important it was. And I just kind of leaned into it. Um, I think I can remember one specific, like the first time I did this deep, like meditation breath work session. And um, there was a part where I was, we were kind of supposed to visualize where we wanted, what we wanted our future to look like, what we wanted our life to look like down the road. And I just felt like I got nothing. I was just like, I have no idea. <laughs> and so that was really, emotional for me. And I, it made me be like, okay, I really wanted to take a step back here and think about where I'm going and what I really want and really like get in touch with who I am and not just keep jumping through hoops because that's what the world expects me to do. Whether it's like, you know, college, med school, residency, whatever, but like, what actually do I want? Um, and it was really uncomfortable at first. Like I always have, you know, a plan A, B, C, D (laughs) for everything and I had no plans. And so it was really uncomfortable and it was just like sitting in that discomfort for a while. And this, like the word surrender just keeps coming up of of feeling like, okay, I'm just gonna like, I don't have to be in control. Like, I'm just gonna sort of see where this goes. Um, And I, you know, I think reading, there was a lot of Mm -hmm. books I read that were really helpful talking to, um, different friends and mentors. And, um, I did a lot of therapy during that time, which was really helpful. Um, and yeah, and then sort of the path eventually becomes clear. (laughs) And I I also want to say how fortunate I am that I had the ability to do that. Like not everybody has the ability to just take a couple months off of working. Um, so I want to say that also to begin with. That's oftentimes how it hits people is like,
0: you were saying, I didn't plan the slow down. It just Mm -hmm. kind of like hit me. And I remember when I first started really diving into somatic practices and therapy and kind of feeling like I was healing from the inside out. I, it kept popping into my head. How many times in CrossFit have we heard like embrace the suck or like (laughs) you can do hard things. I'm like, yeah, my body is super capable of doing these really hard things. Like my psyche is not, and I need Mm -hmm. to just like, but I could also, I would carry that same kind of mindset over and like, Hey, like you can, you have made it through 100% of the hardest times in your life so far, Mm -hmm. like this, Mm -hmm. you're allowed to feel really big, really hard feelings. Um, even if they're, you know, for all intents and purposes, like kind of ugly or feel kind of crunchy or look different than what society tells you they should. And um, I'm curious what books you were reading during that time when you said you kind of leaned on those as resources.
2: Yeah. Well, let me think back. So the first one I read was The Alchemist, um, which was so great. And I think it was just, it was like the perfect time for me to read it because it really made me reflect back on Sort of my life so far, and what were those key moments in time of, of places where I really felt like I was at my best or like in my um, sort of living in my flow state or like ways that led me to get to where I was um, at this point in time? Um, I read Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza, um, which really I think the big takeaway from that, and I love how he does also put a lot of you know, there's a lot of pe- people who talk about meditation and how important, you know, your thoughts are and things like that. But he, he puts a lot of data behind it too, which I like, like he does these seminars and he's, he's measuring heart coherence and he's measuring HRV and, and looking at, you know, when people do these practices, what, what impact that has, he's looking at MRIs, things like that. So um, I, from that, like the biggest takeaway is really the importance of our thoughts, you know, our, and, and a lot of this, process over the last year for me too, has been becoming much more aware of my thoughts and working to change them and realizing that I, you know, especially like you said, for people who are hard charging, a lot of times we are our own worst critics. And if you were to get into my head a couple like two years ago, it would be awful in there. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm always being so hard on myself and, um, and never would talk to anybody else the way that I would talk to myself in my own head. And so changing that has made a huge difference and it's still a constant work in progress, but even just being aware of the things that you're thinking and then starting to replace those with more positive or empowering thoughts has had, you know our thoughts really do create our reality. So that one had a big impact on me. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, there was a few other sort of more spiritual books that I read. Um, by a woman named Carolyn Miss that I really loved. Um, I read The Obstacle is the Way. I read um, Untethered Soul more recently, like a lot of like deep sort of spiritual type books. Um, Yeah, trying to think of, oh, Untamed by Lennon Doyle. A lot of these, they have sort of similar themes.
1: It's so funny because um, a lot of times I think we just don't want to admit that we have this bad relationship with ourselves. And that Mm -hmm. could be really challenging because like you said, like you would never speak to someone else the way that you maybe have spoken to yourself like the past few years. Um, And it's, it's an interesting concept because I think that it just brings it back to, and Lindsay and I talk about this all the time, but personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and understanding that you have the power to change you know, the way that you speak to yourself, the same way you have the power to change how you move and when you move and whether or not you move and Mm -hmm. what you eat and all of these things. Um, so it's really cool, you know, to hear that you are implementing that practice in your life in some way, shape or form. And I'm just curious to know if you have advice for anybody that's listening that maybe knows that they have a pretty harsh relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be tied to body image or something else, um, mm-hmm. what would you maybe recommend that they do?
2: Oh my gosh. It's a great question. So many things.
1: Uh, I think
2: I think of that a lot of it, and for all of us, it's so deeply rooted in this belief that I think all of us, I've met very few people who naturally, um, who don't naturally have this belief after living in the world for sometime, um, that we are, you know, that to really believe that you are enough, that you are loved, that you are worthy. Um, it sounds a little bit cliche, but like I, I, there were so many things that I had to undo in order to really believe that. And for me, it started with, um, like addressing some relationships, even from childhood with like childhood friends, things that had happened that I was not even really conscious of that didn't realize, but they had sort of planted this story in my head of like, you're not good enough or nobody likes you. And even though I think I knew on an intellectual level, that wasn't true, like deep down, I was still playing that unconscious story. And so going back and addressing those things was really important for me. And then, um, and then really, um, sort of like surrounding yourself with the right people who do believe that and who are going to give you that message and are going to be there for you and that are not just going to build you up to feel good, but that are going to be real with you and and sometimes tell you things that are hard, but because they care about you and they love you. Um, I think that's really important surrounding people who are going to be bringing more of that positive energy into your life. And if you have people who aren't that way, then cutting ties and not you know, not really feeling bad about it. Like, you know, you don't have to have just make people happy all the time. Um, And it's important, like your environment, the people you surround yourself with is so important. Um, And then I would say as far as the thoughts, like, I think obviously therapy or like working with someone is incredibly helpful and learning strategies like CBT or, or things like that. But um, I think for me, it's made the biggest difference to start my day every day with, some visualization. So starting with like really positive, like thinking of positive memories or really happy moments and like feeling those emotions and then visualizing my day and visualizing things that are gonna be challenging but moving through them really well or having negative thoughts and like getting rid of them and, and um, replacing them with positive thoughts or um, just having like experiencing things that may be triggering and, and moving past them really quickly. And that for me has made a world of difference because then when I actually encounter those things in real life, um, it goes a lot more smoothly. And it's, you know, it's stuff that we learn from, that I learned from competing in gymnastics that I use competing in CrossFit, like visualization is incredibly powerful. And we know that from an athletic standpoint, but it's also really powerful in our like internal worlds, in our emotional health as well. Um, And then I would also just say that, this stuff doesn't happen overnight and it can sometimes feel like it's never going to get better, but the little baby steps that you make, it's amazing how much they add up over time. Like I felt like there was times where I was just being bombarded with negative thoughts and I like could not escape them. And I just wanted to chop my head off. Cause I'm like, get, get me out of here. This is awful. Um, but you just keep chipping away at it and you make progress. You look back a month, two months, six months from now, and you realize, wow, probably like, you know, maybe before my thoughts were 30% positive, and now they're 60% positive, like it really does these things, even though they don't seem like they're making a big difference in the moment over time, they really do. So it's just like, it's just like making small changes to your diet or, you know, being consistent in the gym, like, it might not make seem like it's doing much in the moment, but over time, it really adds up. I feel like that is the perfect place to leave people
0: like do the small work day in, day out, stay consistent. Oh my gosh. I loved everything about this episode. If people want to connect with you, know more about CrossFit, uh, precision
2: care, anything and everything in between, how do people do that? Sure. Um, you can learn more about CrossFit precision care at care.crossfit.com all kinds of info there on joining our waitlist and working with us and how to get in touch with us. And, um, for me, I would say I probably am most, we didn't even get into this, but my <laughs> I'm most active on Instagram, although not as active as I once was. Um, but there it's just my name at Julie Foucher.
1: Awesome. Thank you so, so much for sharing and thank you for being here and making all of the waves that you make. Oh, thank you guys Thanks. so much. This is really fun. Thanks. George.